It's said that men think about sex, you know, X many times per minute, especially when you're younger, like going through puberty. Mm -hmm. It's like all day, every day. It's all you think about all day long. I feel like I don't have time for that. (laughs) I feel like my brain is constantly thinking of so much other shit. I don't think about sex like that at all. Yeah. I just don't because I don't have time for that. I am <laughs> That's too much work. Yes, I'm literally thinking about what I have to do, my schedule, my kids, my lo- like work, everything. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Till the Wheels Fall Off. I'm Matt. And I'm Paige. Before we get started on this amazing episode, I want to let you know. We still have sweatshirts available at twofo.com. Just a handful of black left. Black was the hot color. Yeah. That was the one I didn't think would, I people would want. And I told you people like black sweatshirts. You were on the money once again. You were right. You were right. Always. <laughs> Keep saying it, I baby. I could just be right once, man. I'd appreciate <laughs> oh, it. But no, we're all good. It's all It's all good. It's all good. Uh, we have online courses still available. Independentlystrong.com. It is a course designed for your recovery. Addicts, alcoholics have a ton of options when it comes to recovery, but spouses and partners have very few. Ours takes a different angle than traditional programs like Al-Anon or some of the things you might be used to and hits things from a completely different angle. It is comprehensive. It is research backed and it is going to get you what you need. Yep. You will be sitting through this going, oh my God, like this yeah. is, I can't believe something like this exists. It's Seriously. like they made it for me. Yep. That was our goal here. It's true. You can get 75% off that course using the code wheelies75 at checkout. That's wheelies with an S, 75. And then you can always stretch it out as well over three months in a payment plan. Yep. Allowing people to do that. Uh, there's also a mini course available right now on just self-care. We yes. are still big on the self-care train. If you are in our community, please keep posting for accountability. You might not think it's relevant. We love seeing it. But other people love seeing it too. Mm -hmm. We need to remind ourselves, you have to take care of yourself. And it's not just all doom and gloom and bad stuff all the time and horrible stories. Right. Let's remember there are people behind these stories and these people are working to get better. I want to see it. I want to see it getting better. Yes. It's it's awesome when people are doing that. Yeah, Um, I love it. And that's in our community, our free Facebook community. If you're not aware that exists, if you're new to this, then check out our um, any of the links in our social media profiles. You can find the TUFO community there. It's TWFO community. Yes. And I think that covers it. <gasps> what was yesterday? Yesterday was our anniversary. Yes. And 23 what years. happened? For the first time in 23 years on February 2nd, we did not see each other. Nope. It was sad. I actually got a little teary-eyed last it was night. Sad. Like sometimes I, I too. just Man. I just kind of think about it. And I'm like, ah, no, everything's okay. This is fine because you were doing something really, really cool. But still, I was like, this is a big day for us. It's we huge. Were 14 years old when we got together. I know everyone thinks their anniversary is special. Mm-hmm. Ours is special, special. Yeah, like we don't we do celebrate our wedding anniversary, but we our, celebrate with a high five. But our dating anniversary has always been just a big deal for us. It's Groundhog's Day, and it's like February. Ooh, did he see a shadow? And it uh, spring is gonna come sooner. I think that's what I'm talking about. I think it's fifty fifty. Here we write, or you know, one or the other. <laughs> we'll go with that. I was telling our son how phony baloney it was, and he's like, "Don't talk bad about what's his name." Puck's Tawny Phil. Yeah, he was so sad that I was. Like, Watch your mouth. He was. You already ruined everything else for me. <laughs> it was. Crazy. Let me have Phil. Yes. Yes. So where have you been? I missed you. 
I missed. I missed you too. It was it was rough, weird. and it wasn't like something I was just like, all right, I'll see you. This is no. something we talked about, agreed upon, and decided like this was this was going to be a good thing, even though it was going to be painful and it would suck. About a week ago, I get a, a DM from somebody who's got, uh, for lack of a better term, they work in like Hollywood mm-hmm. casting, and they were like, I think there's this part, and you're going to be amazing for it. I'm like, I'm not an actor. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, but I, we both decided, you know what, what's the harm? Like, it's going to be a good experience. If you'll learn something, it's difficult. If it's difficult, you should do it. Yeah. We're all about that. You guys listen to us. Yes. You know that about opportunities. Us. Take so them. submitted a tape and like, we loved it. We want to see another one. I'm like, what? No one else applied. That's the deal. That's the catch here. That's what we were saying. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you told me that you're like, no one else applied. If they asked you back, <laughs> whatever. No I said that you were awesome. So I sent in another tape and then they wanted to schedule, um, a, like a video call with the director and stuff. And then I got an email and like hey you need to be in los angeles for a production meeting and then we need you back for the next or take a day off come back two days filming like yeah full days like yeah but 12 it was like so days. quick so quick that this happened it's wild yeah and can't say much about the project right now i know we will at a later date I, yeah I, once it's released. I have signed an nda and yeah, yeah, yeah. but when it comes but out you will really know cool. you it's, will know yeah it's it's awesome and I'm, I'm really proud of you i think it's cool that we've been able to do I'm this proud of but, us. but we have like had to pivot so much the past few days because I, our daughter's having her first dance competition and I'm dance mom. And I like, I love this. I competed when I was younger. If y'all didn't know. So dancing was like my whole, that's your thing. That's my thing. And my daughter is so good at it and I'm just enjoying it. And, um, but we were not supposed to be here tonight. We were supposed to be gone, but things changed and we had to come home and, and, do this for all of you and everyone around. So we're here for you. I just realized we're wearing very similar pants. I feel like a dog right now when they see a squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. Just getting distracted squirrel. easily. I got distri- distracted easily. But yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been an interesting week. And it weekend. has. It really has. Like this is, this is what hard feels like. Yeah. This is what hard feels like. And yeah. we signed up for hard. We can do hard. Yeah. It's okay. For sure. It's not going to kill us. Yep. So what's our topic? You tell me. Are we going to go into this? Let's get into it. All right. Let's talk about sex, baby. We are talking talk about, about sex and, and all things sex. We've had intimacy. more. Yeah. Intimacy is really the larger. Which isn't just sex. No, it's not. So if you're a family member or a close friend who doesn't want to hear ours, yeah. about, you know, <laughs> our sex life, then you might want to turn this off. But if you do want to hear about it and you don't want your children around, you know, you just... Be mindful this that is this a, is going to be an adult conversation. This a, yeah, this is which, a headphones in, uh, in your car alone kind of be episode. Real. Most of our episodes are yeah. adult conversations. They are. This is something that we've, when we first started, I think we, I remember us saying out loud, like that's a boundary I think I'd like to keep with listeners is like our sex life will remain our sex life. Mm-hmm. But the more questions that we got about it, the more the, we realized we had answers to a lot of these things. Yes. And then so, okay, so now are we withholding information that could be helpful for people? Right. And do we really care? Right. Like, honestly, right. no. No. Not really. <laughs> no. Like, what do I care? What right. do you care? I don't care. You know? Yeah. But we're going to get into it. Yeah. We're going to talk about our sex life. Mm-hmm. Talk about the questions that we got yeah. whenever you submitted the the anonymous form, intake form. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, so for those that don't know, tell them about that. Oh, I asked our community to provide some questions that they have on intimacy and what they're struggling with. Um, and we got a, ha- like a lot. We got a lot of um, input and we decided to just kind of put them together and categorize. And oh, this is going to be a two part 
episode two. Two-part episode. So we got a lot of questions about infidelity. Yeah. Now, infidelity is not something that we have experience with. Right. But it is something that I have talked to professionals about that have worked people through this. Mm -hmm. We will have an episode that covers this with some input from professionals, people that have worked through this, Mm -hmm. as well as some of our own thoughts on it in the future. Yes, that's going to be our next part of the episodes. Yeah, that's one of the more common questions I get. It is. It's a lot of interesting things that came back from that as well. Mm Kind of wild. But today we're going to cover intimacy, and that does include physical intimacy. Yeah. But it also includes emotional intimacy. Yeah. Well, intimacy is just sharing deep information with somebody it's having really deep connection and conversations and and talking and stuff like that it's not just the physical part you know you can't tell a guy that though when men hear intimacy they think it's it's a one-way street it's just sex sex. yes i bet if you Uh, polled the american male public it would come back overwhelmingly that that means sex well that has not been our experience that's not been our relationship at any point either no it really hasn't no no it's we've we've had mutual respect for each other in that part i think major like our entire relationship yeah we've i don't think sex has ever been weird between us no because intimacy has never been weird between us right now we've had spurts of not oh yeah you know being close due to addiction sobriety and lack of trust, you know, mm-hmm. just not being able to emotionally trust you. And that's gone up and down throughout our relationship. But I think is, I do think that that's common in a marriage. I don't think that it's supposed to be perfect all the time. No, there's seasons in marriage. There's going to be seasons with intimacy, with, with at least physical intimacy. I do feel like our emotional intimacy has been on point majority of our relationship except for that 10-year period where it was on drugs um <laughs> well we still had like at times we still had those times though yeah there was enough to to i guess remind to, each to other keep that, us. hey man there's a reason that we're together right right now towards the end it was really really hard but also we had little babies or we had a little baby it does make a difference so yeah. i'd like to preface the conversation with the information up front about intimacy about the sex differences between men and women, some of the physiological things that are going on within someone who's in recovery. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff up front. That way we don't have to explain it while we're asking the questions. Okay. Does that make sense for you? Sure. Okay. So first of all, there are differences between sex drive, libido, and what arouses you between men and women. Okay. So I'm sp- I've got the information but I can really only relate it to one side because I happen to be a man. Right. So you're going to have to fill in the parts that I have never experienced myself. Okay. So when it comes to the male sex drive, oh man. Okay. So there are physiological factors. So higher levels, higher levels of testosterone, which is a hormone that men have more of than women do. You guys still have some and I have estrogen as well. Yes, I am. But testosterone (laughs) plays a crucial role in libido. Right. And, variations in testosterone levels can influence your sex drive. A lot of people are aware of testosterone replacement therapy for older men. Full disclosure, I am on testosterone replacement therapy mm-hmm. and I have been for quite some time. Right. We'll get into the why, why? Yeah. shortly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the responsive desire. So in many men, sexual desires often described as more spontaneous and responsive. Yeah. 
Do you it's even like a, know? Do you like know a, what that would feel like? It's like it's like a it's like is that what you're saying? Are you really? Yes. Is that what so men experience arousal and desire so fast, and it's in response to something physical or even something visual. So it could be a or touch. something auditory. Yes. It could be a picture. It could be a woman just walking down the street. It could be any of those things. It can be. Well, could it be something that it can be looks audit- like something that's like um, technically that, yes that could arouse you? Yes. Yes. So. It's said that men think about sex, you know, X many times per minute. Yeah. I think that those, that's all subjective sort of, but it's well, a lot. Well, you've, you've said that. It's a lot. Like I'm a man. I can tell you that it, <laughs> it comes up in the mind a lot. Yeah. I think, especially when you're younger, like going through puberty, mm-hmm. it's like all day, every day. It's all you think about all day long. It's crazy. It's the craziest thing. Most men. I feel like I don't have time so. for that. <laughs> I feel like my brain is constantly thinking of so much other shit. I like, I'm really connecting things right now. Like as a woman, I feel like my emotion, like I think about, I don't think about sex like that at all. Yeah. I just don't because I don't have time for that. I am. <laughs> it's too much work. Yes. I am literally thinking about what I have to do, my schedule, my kids, my li- like work, everything. Okay. But can I we, ask you, okay. Do you get turned on visually? Like if you see me with my shirt off, do you, does that arouse you? It depends on my cycle. Okay. That is something about women is that we have cycles. Yeah. Because we are all, you're going to get into that, aren't you? I will. You? Of course. But I, will. I didn't even know that you had that on this. I just yes, know this. Of course. Because I've, done, I've done the research. I know, I know about women and, and I our know hormones. You. And I knew and, the answer to that question. And I know that because women can only get pregnant when they're ovulating, which is like day seven and 11 of their cycle. Seven, eight, like five days within the month is when a woman can get pregnant, something like that. And that is when we are most aroused too. So it's only that like what did you call me you said i'm like a panda were you thinking this you said i'm a panda we knew we were gonna giggle about this oh my gosh this is hilarious because yeah. pandas can only have they can only get pregnant what like once a year or something, something like for that. like an hour right and so like that's their window and that's what you say to me so, no th- i didn't it was a joke like we there there had been a week where we hadn't so we hadn't weird. had sex yeah and i think we were talking about it and like kind of joking around about it yeah and for me, it's like, it, there's no fun in it whatsoever if you're not into me. Yeah. And so I will pass if like you're not into it. Like, it's, it's just not. You don't force. You I, don't like try to persuade me I unless seek, you're. I seek that connection, the eye contact, like yeah. the touch, and I can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And so I was joking. I'm like, you're like a panda, man. Like it never <laughs> happened this week and you're not interested. So I'm just going to bed, panda. It was, we were joking. It was obviously. like, I get really tired. Duh. Yeah, we got little kids and around. We have and... like, we're. we're we've got a lot going on, you know? Yeah. And listen, like I will say, I think that the perspective I have on sex is probably different than most men. Yeah. And I think you've been like that for a long time and I'm very grateful for it, but it's very, I think it's healthy. I think so. I mean, I think we, so. we haven't had issues with it because Never. of that. Never. But anyway, so back to why men are the way we are. Okay. Um, visual stimulation. So men are often considered to be more visually stimulated than women are like i mentioned physical appearance visual cues play a significant role in triggering sexual desire within men okay it's visuals like you can just see something and have the thought and then your mind will sit there in that place for i don't know it feels like an eternity but it's probably just a few seconds but it crosses your mind a lot okay it's wild absolutely wild uh physical connection men in general prioritize physical aspects of sexual intimacy like touch and physical closeness over the emotional pieces 
for men and for a lot of men, it's just about the physical, it's the, the, the physical piece. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's a means to an end. It's a means to achieve orgasm or whatever they're after. It's just the act of it, but that's what most men are after. Okay. We're set up this way, by the way. I'm not saying it's like good, bad, whatever. This is just the science of it. Okay. Uh, and there's also a single focused desire. Men are more likely to focus on a single sexual stimulus and find it easier to compartmentalize sexual desire from other aspects of life. So for us, example, it's just sex. It can be just sex. Okay. For women, this is so much bigger. And I'm not saying it's not all. Okay. So forgive me if I'm speaking in, in these absolutes, it's not all it's, but in general, that's the case. When we speak in absolutes, it's not intentional. Yeah. Female (laughs) sex drive. Obviously you mentioned hormonal fluctuations throughout the month and with your cycle can increase or decrease your sexual desire Mm -hmm. in those times. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely the case. Like I know whenever you're ovulating and when you're on, Mm -hmm. cause you're like, you're touchy, super touchy, Mm -hmm. like assault, (laughs) 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 assault, man. I can't even walk by you without hands going somewhere. And I know because that never happens during the time. And it cracks me up to no end. Oh, my God. I love it. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Women consider emotional and contextual factors. So for many women, emotional and contextual factors such as the connection, communication, and relationship satisfaction play a crucial role in sexual desire. Yes. Yes. It has a healthy relationship definitely comes into play. Yes. Without a doubt. Yeah. Responsive desire and emotional uh, connection. So women often experience responsive desire, meaning their desire may be triggered in response to emotional or relational cues. Mm -hmm. The emotional connection and sense of intimacy are often essential for women's sexual satisfaction. When it comes to, do you have a, a sex life you would say satisfactory? These are the things that you're thinking about Mm -hmm. when you can ask, you know, Billy, the dumbass over there, what he's after. He's like, well, I mean, the act took place four or five times. So it was, it's great. Yeah. Not thinking about these deeper things. Okay. Um, multifaceted desire. So female desires considered more multifaceted. Like we just talked about, there's emotional, psychological, and physical aspects where men is more singular. Um, Seems and so then cavemanish. Yeah, it is very cavemanish, without a Do doubt. Th- I mean, women seem to be a little bit more evolved when it comes to sex. Well, so we're not going to get into the, like the evolutionary psychology of it all. There's some okay. in- lo- there's a lot Just of really inter- interesting having a conversation. <laughs> so a lot of really interesting, com- I mean, reasons for this. So many will argue, like argue from a biological perspective, we're we're designed to procreate, and so. One species is designed to just procreate mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the men like just have sex with as many other animals as possible. Try to have more babies, try to procreate. It's okay. in your best interest evolutionary to, to spread your genes. What are the women? Well, it's, we don't, what matter. do you think? It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it's, it's definitely not to procreate as much as possible. It's okay. to find a connection to, to be able to keep your young safe. Um, surround yourself with, you know, people that care, share your values, things like that. And we're more or less, I don't know, disposable in that sense, I guess, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. you've seen like what animals will do like they sit mm-hmm. there and butt heads with each other over a mate or like birds do the crazy feather thing. It's always, you know, after this female, right? Like you are the ones we're after. That's what we go for. We're designed to do that so we can pass on our genes. Okay. That's interesting. It's, it's kind of wild. Right. This dog is growling. It's okay. It's because she's fine. Okay. So 
when it comes to <laughs> the, the larger <laughs> conversation here, I think that's important to get out of the way first. Okay. When we're talking about intimacy and sex differences and whatnot. I will say that when I was pregnant with our son, that my sex drive was... Um, Way higher. Way higher. And yep. I don't know if that's because the testosterone levels were higher or if it was the pregnancy hormones. I don't know. But I just remember it being very different than when I wasn't pregnant. I remember reading about it whenever you were going through this. And I remember some people saying that that was their, that was their experience. Mm-hmm. Whether it's because there's extra testosterone in the body. I don't know. I really don't. But that was, that was definitely true. But it could also have been because we were closer emotionally we were in a a better place she's fine this dog i'm sorry (laughs) y'all okay so when it comes to libido it's a question we get asked about a lot when it comes to someone in active addiction someone Mm -hmm. in early recovery okay you mentioned i mentioned earlier that i was on testosterone replacement therapy right so long-term abuse of drugs or alcohol has effects on your body's ability to produce testosterone naturally. Okay. It shuts down the center of your body that creates it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even have what's called, I think it's uh, hypogonadism, which you're basically your, your testicles go offline. And unless you're on HCG or something like that, stop producing testosterone at healthy levels, drops really low. So when I got sober, and even when I was in active addiction, my sex drive was really low. Yes. Really low. Yes. And we'll get into some of the more more of the reasons why. It wasn't all just physical, but there was mm-hmm. a physical reason for it in that I, my testosterone is incredibly low. Mm-hmm. It Alcohol impairs your liver, which processes a lot of these hormones as well. So if it's, if it's impaired, it's going to have an even harder time telling your body and signaling it which hormones it needs to make more of. Long story short, like the range for testosterone, let's just say it's on a scale of 1 to 10. A healthy man is generally between, I think it's like five and 10. I right. I was like between one and two uh-huh. when I got sober. Like right. Really low. Like they said, my levels were about what a seven year old man would be. Okay. And the doctor asked me, what in the F did you do? Mm-hmm. He thought that I was on steroids or something. Like right. you must've been on, I'm like, look at me. I wasn't on steroids. No, no that was a drug addict. Yeah. Alcoholic. You were so skinny. Really skinny. Yeah. And so um, alcohol also affects the hypothalamus and pituitary gland, which are responsible for uh, regulating hormone production. So affects parts of the brain. Um, there's increased conversion of testosterone into estrogen with chronic alcohol consumption. Um, it aromatizes, uh, testosterone into estrogen. So higher estrogen levels generally decrease your libido okay. and sexual function as well. So it's not just libido. It's your parts don't work as well. Right. You remember this? Right. Oh yes. yeah. Remember I do. those times? I do remember that. Yeah. It was sad. <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong with me. <laughs> that's that's what sucks about it is that I mean, we can go ahead and just get into that now. It's a question a lot of people have. Like mm-hmm. like my husband doesn't even want to have sex. Okay, right. so we explain what part part of the reason that could be, which is the testosterone issue. Like it may just be he has a very low libido. Mm-hmm. There's another piece of that that is just very much performance anxiety. Yeah. So whenever I was especially with opiates. And a lot of people get this from really, really heavy amounts of alcohol, but I was never like that level of drinker. Right. Mostly opiates. Yes. You cannot maintain an erection like for longer than a few seconds. Right. Maybe even minutes. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that I didn't want to get in bed with you. Yeah. It wasn't that you weren't gorgeous. It wasn't that like you didn't turn me on. I was in a bad place then. You have (laughs) always been incredibly sexy to me you at have, no point you have in our always relationship said that which ever, is so crazy have you been not sexy to me like you were like 
you were made for like my like you were my I mean type. I was so unhealthy back then uh, so unhealthy I never looked at it that way ever I never looked at it that way I always found you incredibly attractive still do I always felt that way about you too by the way really yes even with the yellow tips and all that oh my god with the yes. hair yes <laughs> But anyway, you have performance anxiety. So you know that at some point you had tried to perform, you tried to have sex and you couldn't maintain an erection. And then it gets in your head Mm -hmm. and this becomes like a game that you play with yourself. Like, okay, like I know that she wants it tonight and I have to, I have to do it even though I don't really feel like it, but I, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to maintain an erection, which partly like for men anyway, it's, it's just it hurts your pride. And it's like, man, I, I want to be able to do this. Like I want to be able to please her. Right. I want to be able to, to have sex with her and I want her to feel like she's beautiful enough to arouse me. And when you always were, it had nothing to do with the fact that it had nothing to do with you. And I want to just make that clear. Like for a, in a lot of these cases, it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with you. Right. And we get, there's a lot of shame around it. Like there's a conversations that are happening more now than they did like in a previous generation mm-hmm. but still it never gets that easy yeah it's never an easy thing to deal with or to talk about and i hated more than anything the way it made you feel because you felt like it was something that it's like oh man well yeah what the hell am i supposed to do and then you reach over and you you know yeah. grab the toy like <laughs> all right i'll take care of it myself then i guess dude <laughs> I said we were going there. Didn't know we were going that deep, babe. I said we were going there. But anyway, uh, I talked about testicular atrophy, hypogonadism. Shuts down the testosterone within the body. What? (laughs) The word testicle still cracks you up? What are we, sixth grade now? What was the other word? Atrophy? No. Hypogonadism? Gonadism? That's a real word. That's a real word. That's not just Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) She's dying, y'all. She's dying over here. It just clicked. Oh I didn't gosh. know. Yeah. Yeah. So there are cells within the testes that are responsible for producing testosterone. We and will so never chronic grow up. alcohol use will impair the function of those cells. It absolutely will. That's important information for people to know because that was a lot of the, that was a, that was a lot of the questions. Yeah. Hey, can you open up the, the questions on your computer? Cause sure. mine's about to die any second. Um, another thing that alcohol does is it affects the central nervous system. So, um, you've got neurotransmitters, uh, GABA and glutamate. One of these is an inhibitory neurotransmitter, but it's enhanced by alcohol. So the more you drink, the more it inhibits the flow of information between your body, uh, between the neurotransmitters and this other one. You're getting uh, all glutamate is excitatory. And I love this stuff anyway. Glutamator. It shuts down. So just <laughs> new to maker. So it, it shuts down the central nervous system, impairs brain function. We all know we've, we've talked about this, but Joe it impairs sexual performance, reduces libido, delays ejaculation, does all these things. Like alcohol messes the body up in active addiction and then after as well. Um, some drugs like amphetamine and cocaine have an opposite effect. And we'll talk about more of that in our, our next, next episode, episode because because most of the time we're talking about infidelity, cheating, and things like that. A lot of these guys are you're using amphetamines and cocaine. That is not inter- not always so the case. Not always. No, the not case, always. But right, but that is a, there are plenty of alcoholics that do it too. A thing. Plenty of alcoholics that do the same thing. Okay, so when it comes to what's happening in the body, what are some of the sex differences? Well, you can't find it. It's no, most- because it's on the spreadsheet down here. Oh, gotcha. Okay, well, whatever. Um, when it comes to the sex differences, when it comes to some of the things that are going on 
like physically within the body. That's some of them. Partly we are just built different uh, when it comes to sex differences. Like I want people to understand that some of this stuff is just in us. Another part of this is there's, there are effects to harmful chemicals in the body over long periods of time that are going to mess with your ability to maintain erections, get aroused, mess with the hormones, every bit of it. Okay. So now that that's out of the way, I think we've prefaced the conversation. Let's talk about intimacy. Okay. Most of the, I mean, we, the, when we asked the questions, it was like, tell us what are your questions about intimacy? Most people like men will think of intimacy and think of one thing and it's just sex. A lot of men just think of intimacy as sex. Right. Which you kind of explained why, because y'all are cavemen. We're cavemen, right. Women, I think, have a much better understanding intellectually of what intimacy is, because it's you were literally hardwired to, to seek it and to want that. Yeah, for sure. I think men or many men are late to the party. Not all men. There are plenty of men that understand what intimacy is. They understand what healthy intimacy is. They understand that there are two parts to it. And- well, don't you agree that whenever we have more of an intimate connection, that the physical intimacy is way better? It's not even close. It's like, it's substantially better. Yeah. Like it is next next level if you're, if you're so just obvious. doing it to get your your physical needs met it's not gonna it's <laughs> yeah. no it's yeah. just like okay you know boom boom gone it's not it's so much better whenever you have a connection yeah for us anyway like that's when it's always been the best right is when there was so much more there right which is why like i will just forego it if that's not there like, right, right it's not right. even that fun right yeah you said that earlier okay so Physical intimacy, we're going to talk about some of the questions we got. We're just going to read the questions and we're just going to answer them when it comes to physical intimacy. So how do you take the wall down and begin to love that way again after trust has been broken? Okay. So this was actually probably the number one question. It was. Yeah, it was. It's a loaded question though. How do you take the wall down and begin to love that way again after trust has been broken? So I think this is a, there's a lot of ask. I mean, there's a lot to this question because it's not just about having sex again. Mm-hmm. It's about loving that way again is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Like to really be able to trust someone again. So mm-hmm. what I've said oftentimes is that the alcoholic or the addict has the larger share of the burden for rebuilding this stuff. Through my actions, if I'm in recovery, early recovery, you're able to start to trust me again. Yeah. Through my actions, I'm going to be more open, vulnerable, and honest. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be able to become intimate with me again and be able to trust me again. Yeah. And then through that, we get in bed. Yeah. But it's those first two parts. So when someone's asking, it's kind of heartbreaking when someone asks, like, how do you take that wall down? You have to be able to trust someone, but you don't trust people that aren't trustworthy. You don't respect people that aren't respectable. Mm-hmm. You don't admire people that aren't, you have to be admirable. You have to have qualities that, that you appreciate and that you, you value yeah. in order to, to allow yourself to do that. If mm-hmm. this person hasn't changed, I don't think you do take the wall down. Why would you? Right. Because they want it. Right. Because they said so. Like, I don't understand why you would. No. No, it has to be earned. It's not like you can just, I don't know. How did you, whenever we were new in this, whenever I was out of treatment and whatnot, did you ever feel like I had to earn that back? Mm, 
like the trust within yeah. it. It's, it's so, we don't go back to that, that part very often because it was very different. Like I don't remember much. I had our daughter who was not even a year old and I don't remember specifically if, I don't remember how, I just remember we kind of tried to just go back to where we were before. Like I can't remember. I remember the intimacy, the emotional intimacy with us was that like compared to levels before I went to treatment was so much higher. Oh yeah. It was much higher because I was giving you an opportunity, obviously. Yeah. You know, I was giving you the opportunity to show, you know, that you were going to be the better man than you were before. I think that people will know in their heart when it's right to trust somebody. Like, yes. No I believe that too. No different than when you meet a stranger, like you make a new friend. Like it takes a while before you're really letting them know like some deep down stuff. Right. But they earn that, don't they? Mm-hmm. You, you earn that through interaction, through, through similarities, through finding things that you both have in common. This is no different. Yeah. And it doesn't happen overnight. Like I had a lot of patience. You did. Talk about some of your patience for a second. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier about my patience. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of it. I don't know if I was like super naive or what, but I was just, I was very patient with the whole situation. You came out of treatment and I was thinking, all right, you know, it's not perfect, but we're still having deep conversations. We were still connect, like we were connecting more than we were before when yeah. you were in active addiction, like you were just saying. And that was giving me the opportunity to to still keep building that trust with you and to, you know, become intimate with you physically. Like I, I didn't. It wasn't. I wasn't afraid to do it. I felt like that you were. We were in such a good place of still building the trust back that I was able to have patience with it. Let's say that this was my third time in treatment. Let's say that there had been a lot of lying and relapses. Well, that's my three strikes you're out rule. Let's say I went to treatment two times. And let's (laughs) say I had been a lot of lying and relapses and a lot of issues. Mm. How do you feel? Put yourself in in that that person's shoes. No, no. I think I would be very guarded. You would. So how would you allow yourself... To trust again. It would just take time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like just give in and, and say, okay, I'm just going to try and trust. I mean, it's, I don't know, Matt, like this is, that's, I, I, I wasn't in that situation, but I know that that would be really, really hard because I do know like later on in our relationship, whenever, you know, you were still having some of the behaviors yeah. that there, I, I did not want to become intimate with you very much because I would, did not feel safe with right. you. I didn't feel safe because I felt like, you know, you were still doing things that made me uncomfortable. Um, but I, if I don't feel safe, I'm not going to do that. So use that as your, as your barometer. It's how safe do I feel with this person? Yeah. How safe I, do I you feel? I think that's a good one because safety takes place over time. It is, it's not earned. Like just, it's not a decision you make. Oh, I'm just going to be safe now. Right, but their partners are throwing this in their face too. Yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. I got a lot of opinions about. Okay, those guys. I thought that you were doing that here. <laughs> okay, so here's another question: okay. Is there a point to working on intimacy if the trust and love are waning? Not just sex, but deep conversations. It's hard to figure out how to balance detachment and still engaging when you feel there's a high risk for hurt as a result. So this is someone like we just described mm-hmm. who's been in a relationship where. Trust and love are waning. Mm-hmm. We've seen this from more wheelies than I can count where it's like, I'm just falling out of love with this person or I've fallen out of love. Right. 
I think I'm just done. So there is such a thing as a relationship being totaled. Y'all. Yeah. It is. There is such a thing. Right. We didn't get to that point, Mm -mm. but I know it's true. Mm -hmm. I've talked to therapists about this. I've talked to people who've been through divorce about this, separations and whatnot. It's like having an old car. So you've got an an old, reliable car. It's paid off. It's from the 90s, though, and it's not worth much. But you get in an accident. Airbags go off. It's totaled. It costs more to fix that thing. Yeah. And the parts aren't available, and some stuff is irreplaceable than it would be to just get a new car. Right. Relationships can get, to, can get to that point. If there's been infidelity, if there's been emotional or physical abuse over a long period of time, mm. and to come back from that Mm-mm. is more work mm-hmm. than it would be to start over with someone else, you could say that relationship is totaled. Right. And I think there are a lot of people who are in that position. And I just want to say it's okay. Like, right. we're, like we are not the, right. we're till the wheels fall off. That's our story. But right. we've talked about before, there are many meanings to that term. Many meanings. Yes. I hope it's something you can look at for yourself personally and say, like, I'm never giving up on myself yeah. and my happiness and what I want out of life. Right. But it's not always going to be up to you whether or not someone's willing to do that work to untotal a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be up to you. But for I think some part of this is to say that, is there a point to working on it? Sometimes there is and sometimes there isn't. Yeah. And I think that you gauge that by how much work are they doing? How much are they willing to invest? Mm-hmm. And how much patience do I have left? That right there. Because there's no guarantee that says whenever I finally decide to get sober, there's going to be any patience left. Right. That was something I got lucky on. There was just enough left. Right. Just, I had like one chance. Right. One more chance. Yeah. And I took it and I never looked back. Yep. Some people want to try that line over and over and over and over. And by the time it finally comes around, like, listen, like, is there any point to this? Right. Like, we're not even having deep conversations anymore. I'm Mm -hmm. still trying to detach, but I still like I should try let that be your decision and don't let anyone judge you for it right it's whatever you feel is right in yep. that moment yep it's your life yep. listen it's not your mother's life or your friend's life or whoever wants to judge you for it it's none of their business yep you know what's best for you yeah and i just that's what we're about is empowering people to make those types of calls mm-hmm. if you need permission we'll give it to you yeah for oh, sure okay uh next one make sure it wasn't one we got mixed in with some of the others Okay. Do others find it difficult to be intimate with someone, a significant other who has been self-destructive in the past and, or through substance dependency, really just displayed behaviors that you very much find a turnoff. Talk about that when it comes to me. Like whenever you were in active addiction, Mm -hmm. did some of those things turn you off so bad? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. I think that whenever we were recording and we stopped i might have said it but like whenever you only had showered once a week yeah or whatnot, smelling and stuff, and yeah. stuff like it's just not um it just wasn't attractive it wasn't attractive that you didn't own up to your part in the house or own up your part in life like you weren't doing things that you should have been doing how about when i'm emotionally abusive i'm screaming or yelling oh my god or, or you're gone and you know expect to come home and everything be perfect but you're out lying to me the whole time you're, yeah, t- you're no, home like taking I, care of babies and- yeah no there was no the last thing i wanted to do was become intimate with you yeah so to answer that question others very much are in that same boat yeah very much so okay here's a good one how do you create intimacy without sex being the end result you just have a deep conversation i think from a male perspective there's some nuance to this question yeah so for men like 
some men, like we talked about like that stimulus, the, the touch, the physical touch. Some men yes. just can't just cuddle. It's got to end at sex. You can't just give you a hug to give you a hug. It's got to end in sex or grab it on your ass or doing something like that. Like, so I think this person could be asking, and we didn't ask for clarification. So we're just taking the question at face value. How do you create intimacy without sex being the end result? Could be, how do you prevent things? How do you let someone know that there's more to intimacy than just sex? Yeah. Another way to look at it, I think is probably the more obvious one, which is how do you create intimacy in a relationship, emotional intimacy? You need to set aside time every day to have conversations. Mm -hmm. And yeah. talk and be there. Now it's going to be hard if somebody's in active addiction or alcoholism. Like that's not you're not going to get that. It's not going to happen. We had an episode on that. Well, yes. And if you want to know how to communicate in active addiction, we have a communication episode a few months back. Check that one out. Yeah, I think that would be a good one to listen to because your emotional needs are not going to be met, and there's nothing you can say or do to get them met. Yeah. Unfortunately. Here's one. My alcoholic husband wants to be intimate three to four times a week. I have explained in both marital counseling and at home that I need emotional connection, honesty to want to do that. And right now we have neither. He won't go to personal therapy and he gets mad that I don't want it like he wants me to and says he feels neglected because of it. How do I navigate that? Mm. I don't like the whole, you have to have it a certain amount of time a week think that bothers me like it should just happen right yeah like it should just happen i don't feel like i mean we've talked about how many times we you know have that a week but we don't really like have it on a schedule or anything or make sure that it happens all i think i think we recorded we we cut that one earlier what do you mean i think and uh, so we, uh, the frequency of our sex life like how often are we having sex in in general we're gonna tell people this yeah why not <laughs> Uh, I guess average three times, three times a week. I would say though there are times though where oh there are times crazy. where they're crazy, and whenever we have, we're super tired. Once, yeah, if once. that, sometimes it's like oh, we didn't have sex this oh, week. But that's very rare though. It's at least once. Yeah, at least once. But the three times, if we have sex three times in a week, that is mutual. Yes, and it's also like it, it depends on the 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 time of your marriage, like the season of your marriage too. And, and full disclosure, I would have sex seven days a week. I would, unless you haven't had your testosterone shot. <laughs> then I'm just like because whatever. then you're I'm just apathetic. like I don't even want to do. It. Then you feel like a, a woman. <laughs> I'm apathetic to the whole thing, but I'm just saying, like as a man, <clears throat> yeah, men are going to want it often. But <clears throat> something I've always loved about you is that you made me earn my dinner. <laughs> always, always. You never made it like, you never looked at it as your duty. Mm -hmm. You never looked at it as a biblical thing. Like oh, this is no. my job. Nope, like you nope, were always like, nope, F nope. that toxic no, BS. No, no, this, that is, this is my body. I'm going to make decisions. Thank you. You are not, I will not allow you to force yourself. And that has never been part of our marriage. No. Sexual coercion can take place. Yes. Inside of a marriage. Right. And this is what we're talking about here. Right. This is a form of abuse. Right. This dude is toxic. <laughs> Damn, dude. straight up. I get sick of seeing this shit because I'm a man. I know what it feels like to have urges, dude. Mm -hmm. Act like a fucking adult. Right. 
That's where I'm at. Excuse my language. Other, you've, but gotta, you've gotta meet your partner in the middle. It's not just her duty to do what you need her to do. Like I, men have needs. Okay, well we have needs too. Are you gonna meet them? Here's another one that drives me absolutely crazy. Oh, we're going off now, babe. Men that say that their <laughs> sobriety is contingent on sex. That's a thing. That is a thing. I see these assholes oh. everywhere. Everywhere Women, on the internet. If please do not like, I need listen to that. I need that physical connection, or there's no point in me staying in this relationship. There's no point in me trying to be sober if if I don't get some. They say that shit. This is how when we talk about emotional intelligence. That's something that I cannot stress enough when it comes to a healthy marriage and a healthy partner. Mm-hmm. And if emotional intelligence isn't there. You're asking questions that you're not going to get an answer to that you ever want to hear. Exactly. You were dealing with a primitive person. Yes. When it comes to emotional intelligence. Right. And they are never going to meet you where you've been with yourself. Right. Like they can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves, which is grunting best I can tell. <clears throat> That's about where these guys are at. Oh my God. I see this all the time. It's like, I, I need awful. sex. I need sex. <laughs> like That's what's going to get you sober. Are you out of your mind? That's coercive. That's abusive. It has nothing to do with recovery. Ooh, somebody did post that on my TikTok. It's never, it's, it has nothing to do with recovery. Now, if you, what you're saying, you dumbass, is I need emotional intimacy and connection in my life. And that helps me feel like I'm working toward a marriage one day. Yeah. That's a different thing to say. But, it, Absolutely. but these, these people communicate it as... I need sex. I want to, I, it makes me want to like hurt people when I, I, I see this kind of stuff. And I feel for people that deal with this kind of stuff. Mm. Like I'm a man. I know what it feels like to have urges, but we are adults. We are civilized people, right? Like doesn't mean the urges go away. They're still there, but you learn how to manage them. Act right, accordingly. Just like You're a else. freaking adult. Just like you've had to manage, you know, people have to manage how much food they eat. You had to manage by becoming yes. sober. You can't just you give into every things. freaking you can't desire give into you all have. all of your things. And it's just like, oh, well, we're married. So this is a requirement that has to happen within our marriage. I do not believe it is a requirement unless you were meeting in the middle and there is some emotional connection there. These are Those completely anonymous BS. questions, by the way. We have yeah. no clue who asked them. And I apologize if I'm coming after someone and it feels like you're being attacked. It's just, it's triggering for me to hear this kind of shit because yeah. I'm a man. And I know what it feels like to manage urges. Yeah. I got, I manage more than a few every single day. So yeah. don't tell me you can't do it. Right. I'm not special. You just have to figure it out. Yeah. And for her to go through this or he, I don't know, go through this. Mm-hmm. I guess it was, it was a man. Yeah. It's a woman. Anyway, he won't go to therapy. gets mad that she doesn't want it like that. And says he feels neglected because of it. If that's all it is to you, bye. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Right. That That is going to take so long for someone to recover from both sides of that. Like yeah. for him to understand what it's like to have a truly emotional, con- like a true emotional connection with somebody. And for her to come out of the trauma of all that. Yeah. God, man. That one just hurts me. Yeah, that hurts. It's and I see that sh- all the time. It I know. Drives me I know. Crazy. I know. I see guys that, so I'm a guy, there's guy talk, you know, and the way that some guys talk about sex, it just, it's disgusting. And I know I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm so woke, dude. I love sex. I love having <laughs> sex with you, Paige. I love it. Like I would do it every day if you were into it and you'd be like, hey, let's go. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Haven't I told you that forever? Yes. And like the answer is yes. Like you're just going to ask me the answer is yes. Yes. But have I ever at any point in our relationship pushed it on you, coerced you into doing it? No. 
been inappropriate about it, forced myself on it. It has you. never been a requirement. Like it's we've never had this mentality of like, oh, we just have to have sex too. It wasn't like that. It's no. always been mutual. Yeah. I just I need men to act right. Like so bad. Like you're embarrassing us all. Act it right. It breaks my heart because I know a lot of people that it'll it's weaponized in relationships. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me sad. Yeah, that one's tough. Okay, so when it comes to emotional intimacy, we're, we're out of the physical stuff now. I think that covers most of the physical things okay. that we talked about. Emotional intimacy. So how do you communicate with someone how their drinking affects intimacy? Again, go read the community or go listen to the communication episode <laughs> in active addiction because it's... Um, I think words don't get through the TLDR version of that too long. Didn't read like what the cliff note version of that. How do you appropriately communicate? I'm not sure when it comes to the word appropriately, is there a way to appropriately communicate it? Um, when someone's in active addiction, no, no. there's not a way to appropriately, I mean, you need to do it in a way that is, you can use I feel statements. There you go. Obviously. I mean, you can, you know, keep a calm demeanor and just basically s- speak how you feel um, and not make it about them, make it more about you. But the reality is it may go in one ear and out the other. I have an idea. I'm going to create an episode and maybe it's just me talking to the mic and it's just share this with your your husband who doesn't understand what intimacy is. I'd be more than happy to explain it to these these knuckleheads. <laughs> More than happy. I love how you call them knuckleheads. Um, yeah, using I feel statements, things like I would just have very low expectations around their response. That, right. Because how do you communicate with someone that is in that place where they have not, like they're in kindergarten and you're in a PhD program. How do you communicate those sorts of concepts? You're not going to do it in a way that gets you any kind of, I think, reaction that you want they're not you're not going to create or elicit this sort of like aha moment in them no they may because what they're going to do when you tell them that i need an emotional connection they're going to lose it oh yeah they're going to get toxic about that yes. they are going to make fun of you they're yes. going to say that oh, you're the problem or, all kinds of or they're going to say sure i'll work on it and then nothing changes it can go all different ways, but it's not going to fall. There's not going to be a follow through until the substance is removed and recur- recovery happens. Yeah. I mean, I think that you can, you can just say that when it comes to the way that I want to be intimate with you, when it comes to, to sex, it's first got to start with the emotions. I feel like, I feel like I can trust you. I got to feel like I'm, there's a connection between us that you're honest with me, that you're vulnerable, that you're letting me in your head. Mm-hmm. That's important stuff. Mm-hmm. But if they don't want to do those things or if they don't understand what that means, they're going to throw some really nasty shit back your way. Right. That's what generally happens. Yeah. Okay. Next question. How to get a spouse to understand. This is very much the same question. How emotional it is. And if you're not getting what you need in life, it's hard to be intimate or even want to. Talk about your TikTok reel. The one that I said, um, you, in order for us to be physical, we have to have the emotional Yes. Peace first. How do you get someone to understand that? You just have deep conversations. I mean, you have trust. You have to have uh, a safe space. I mean. Before we get any further in these questions, because there's a common theme here. Yeah. I need to know and ask yourself this question. If you relate to any of these, has your marriage 
ever been that intimate? was going to be my question next yeah has it ever been intimate can you look at your marriage and your spouse honestly and say at one time i was getting exactly what i'm talking about here i was having these deep conversations and feeling safe and having trust and feeling like you were very close with each other think of a time if ever that you've ever had that with your partner I, I see a lot of people that sort of forget that these people were never this person mm-hmm. and they're in active addiction. They're thinking that sobriety is going to get them to be that person or at some point they're going to change and be that person. They've always been this person most likely. Yeah. But then there are some who will say, oh, but when they are sober, like just meaning they're not drinking, oh, we have really great conversations. I'm going to say that they're probably still not at the level that you're talking about here. Agreed. Still not there. Agreed. A lot of men don't know how to be intimate. We don't. And why would we? Because y'all are taught to keep your emotions in. Think of the way that we're, and it's not an excuse, but this is, this no, is this the is, reason. This, this is, is, this is true. This part is of the society. Reason. This we, is how you're raised. We can, I'm not going to get into all the, the neuroscience behind this too. No. Huberman's got some awesome stuff about that. If you're ever interested, but when it comes to just, the way that we're raised, the way that we talk about emotions, we don't talk about emotions. Mm-hmm. When we're little boys and we have emotions, we're beat, we're hit, mm-hmm. we're shamed, we're told not to do that, don't say those things. Toughen up. Yeah. If you came from a healthy home, then most likely you know how to be intimate. You mm-hmm. know how to talk about these sorts of things. If you've been in a long-term relationship with someone and you're you're open to taking advice and challenges, you, you've likely learned how to do this like I did like with you. I mean, I feel like you've had a really good way at getting into a deep connection with me, even when we were younger. I think it was something that I, it was just in me, I think yeah. at, at a young age. And I've, I've got two brothers and I would say for the most part, like, yeah, we, we know what it's like to, to have a deep conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, I mean, but it's not the case for everyone. Like there no. are a lot of boys that that's sissy talk. You don't talk like that. That's not, that's not, you don't ever go there. You don't have those kinds of conversations. And there's a generation of men running out there believing that kind of stuff. Oh man, that's heartbreaking. It's rough. And I'm not saying like we all just need to be, you know, one Super extreme sensitive. or the other. No, it's, no, no. You there's need to have a, a good balance of it, but you need to know how to do it. You need to know how to do it, man. So that, that'd be my question is how do you get them to understand it? Ask yourself the question first. Yeah. This is who they are. Have they ever done these sorts of right, things? Right, right. And how do you develop that? You can let them know it's okay to have deep conversations. Like mm-hmm. when I work with people who I feel are high strung or people that are just really intense, I have to remind them like, what are you so tuned up for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's not that serious. Yeah. Like, did you know that being vulnerable is a turn on for your wife? Right. Did you know that being honest with her is a turn on? Right. That sort, that sort of thing she loves. You yeah. can do that. Yeah. They just have to give themselves permission that it's okay. Yes. So I'm going to create an episode and let them know. I'll, I'll, that's a separate thing between me and your men. And I will, <laughs> I will do my best to communicate this message in a way that I think will resonate. And it also helps whenever you um, help our mental load, like help do things. That is a big part of it. That is a big part of it. The emotional and mental labor of being a mother or a woman taking care of another child AKA alcoholic or addict mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. And you have no clue how much it means to, to give a shit and to, to not even have to Steph. Uh, no, someone corrected me on this and said, 
when I was, I, I posted about the emotional labor and emotional, like the mental labor of, of, of being a woman at times. And yeah, was talking about Celeste Yvonne's book. Oh yeah, yeah. And rather than asking how I can help, this person corrected me and was like, how about you just use your damn brain and just help just do something. Yeah. You can see I'm struggling over here. Use your effing head yep. and fix it. Do something that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing dishes and I noticed that the laundry over there is still in a giant pile. Hey, two plus two is four. I'm going to go fold some laundry real quick. Right. Which right. I did today, by the way. Thank you. Well, it looked like you just took some towels out of the dryer and threw them on the floor. I didn't fold the towels yet. Cause those are easy. Towels are simple. I did all the hard stuff. I did like the, the the tops that you can't even figure out how to unfold. I can't tell your underwear from Sydney's anymore. So I had to sort through all that. Like <laughs> shirts, like you guys wear the same size shirts. Yeah. I went through all that stuff. Okay. I did all that. All right. Thanks, okay. I guess. Where was I? Where were we? Oh. Okay. Um things. How do you differentiate between what is considered withholding sex and being so completely turned off? When your partner's drinking, that there's no way you're going to do it. It's actually really good. I don't think women, I mean, there might be some who just withhold sex maybe as punishment, but. I've read this. That, that Yeah. That I, but I've, I haven't seen that very much, to be honest with you. I've seen more of like this, where it's like, it's not that you, they're withholding. It's that they are not feeling connected with their partner. They're not trusting them. They don't feel safe. So why would they want to give themselves to them? I would say this. If you are doing it to punish Mm-hmm. Um, men will say you're weaponizing sex. Okay. They, they, they will say that. Like you're doing it to punish. Like I'm not going to have sex with you until you clean the gutters. Okay. That's withholding sex intentionally to get what you want. Okay. But what if you say I'm not going to have sex with you if you're drinking? I would say that that's a boundary. Okay. Because what do boundaries do? They protect, they protect you. you. So if someone's drinking, their behaviors are hurting, hurting you. you. Arguably, I guess gutters overflowing could hurt you, but unlikely. <laughs> but when it comes to sex, this is totally different, right? I just, a, a gutter thing, that's kind of silly. If you're uh, doing chores, that, whatever, I'm just trying that, to think of I something. I mean, come on, that's a little silly. This is all deeper. This goes much deeper. And right. we know that these relationships, it's much deeper. Are you using people- sex as a tool to get what you want? And is that thing related to your safety or your well-being? Okay. Totally different. So. Yeah. What's the difference? I would say that you probably know the difference, but mm-hmm. he's telling you you're weaponizing sex. That right there. That's probably why the question even came about. My right. Guess. Right. Right. Like but your just... drinking affects me. Hello. Right. Your behavior. No, affects you're just me. withholding sex. I'm not comfortable with this. Just don't listen. You're to making somebody... it worse. I'll just drink. Don't listen to what they're they they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> just don't listen. Okay, so this is actually like a three part question. It's a long one. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Okay. So there's some backstory here for the question. So this person's what? Okay. Don't? Uh, No, I think you can summarize. Okay. Here, let me, let me read it real quick and summarize. Um, well, they've been, he's been in recovery. This person's been in recovery for a, a little year. while. Yeah. Um, struggle with intimacy. So... This person wants to under, better understand the why. Very hard not to take it personally and feel resentful when they're vulnerable, reach out, and it's not reciprocated. So what prevents the person in recovery from being intimate? Well, we talked about we that earlier. We did talk about some of those things. Yeah. Okay. And when it comes to testosterone levels, those things can recover over time. Sometimes. Depends mm-hmm. on how long and how severe the use was. So sometimes they can recover sexual intimacy. 
And the trust that comes with being comfortable with yourself in recovery can also be recovered. Because you're completely finding yourself again. Yeah, like we've said it before, but I want to remind people that you are being introduced to a totally new partner. This yeah. is a new person. This is a new person. New person. It's like, it's, that's why we say when you take the substance away, it's not going to fix everything because no. things are going to be totally different. Totally new person. Totally You're not going to get the person back that you had before. And people in recovery have to get comfortable with themselves. Yes. And that's a, that's a process. Yes. I, and we I have work to get with, comfortable with you. Yeah. You got to get comfortable with me too. The new me. And sometimes you're like, I don't really I don't like, like you, you anymore. Yeah. Uh-uh, I don't that like happens. you. That <laughs> happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Like, I work with a lot of men. Totally okay. I encourage men to take pride in who they are, take yeah. pride in those feelings, take pride in those emotions, be okay talking about these things, share these things, be open with this. But this isn't everyone's experience in recovery. Mm-mm. This was the this was the, the path that I walk with people, but not everyone walks that path. They're just white knuckling it. They're not gonna figure it out anytime soon, most likely. Right. You gotta want to get better. You gotta have some sort of a mentor or others around you that are encouraging that type of behavior. So what prevents it? A lot of that whether or not they're working toward it prevents it. Sometimes it's just it really is just, it's just duration of time. How long have you been sober? Yeah. A year is like you get to know yourself that first year and mm-hmm. then you can start to build from it. Right. But for the first year, you have no clue who or what you are. Right. No idea. Like it's freaky. Yeah. Um, how to cope with feelings of rejection when trying to be intimate. And this person says it's even something as simple as just holding someone's hand. Mm-hmm. So they're probably dealing with a very, what I would say, we'll talk about attachment styles one day. Yeah. But um, someone that is, I don't even know if it's an attachment thing, but this is someone that does not know how to be close. This is someone that probably has trust problems. Most likely, just in my experience seeing this, mm-hmm. it's usually what it is. This is someone that is uncomfortable with any sort of intimacy or being close. When you're drunk, it's easy because you can let yourself get there. Right. Otherwise, you're avoidant. And mm-hmm. you don't want to get too close because you don't know where that goes. Right. And your uh, avoidant attached people are very interesting. Very interesting. But yeah. a lot of alcoholics tend to be. But so it's it's not necessarily. How would you cope with the rejection? The though? Let's say that you went to hold my hand. Like, it would hurt. It would, it would be. Man. It would really hurt my feelings. And I think I would try to have a conversation with you. Just an honest conversation to say. You know, how are, how are you feeling? Like, is, is everything okay? Is there something that I could do better? Is there something that you're going through that you want to talk about? Like, I'm here for you. You know, just having a conversation. Yeah, like, is it me? Just is is it you? Is it stress that you're going through? Right. You and just if, not want and, to be touched? And if it's me, then, you know, let me know. And what what can I do? Yeah, is it something like, you don't know, like my perfume? Like, <laughs> or is it like bigger than that? Right. And it's okay to be vulnerable. Like, yes. try to encourage your partner to be vulnerable. Vulnerable yeah. Because that's what you want. Right. And so that means using I feel statements, not when you statements. Really. Right. It's not right. like, damn, you, right. you did it again. Right. You always do this to me. You and, make and, me feel this and way. It, you can even be careful with saying like, I feel so rejected. Like I wouldn't, I mean, I, you can say that, but just try to really speak on how you feel and try to connect with them and empathize with them, you yeah. know, and try to get to their level and see what's going on. It's like going in for a kiss and then someone turns away. It's dang yeah. you don't want to kiss me right like, is it my onion breath or are you just like not into me right but you can ask just the question a, ask a question and just say it calmly so should i read more into it i would definitely ask about that right without a doubt i would is there a larger issue at hand most likely mm-hmm. 
But I will say that early sobriety is a very confusing time. And it is just part of the process because she, well, it was to, to some yeah. degree. And I think that there's also, there's guilt and shame that people can feel that, mm-hmm. that do this as well. Guilt mm-hmm. and shame are powerful emotions in people who are in an early recovery. Yeah. You know, the, the guilt of feeling badly for the things we've done. And when those things turn inward into shame, it's this, these are, these things are who I am. Mm-hmm. They feel unworthy of love. feel like we don't deserve love. Like we don't, like you've ever seen, you've seen the movie stars born, right? Yeah. Like, I think every addict or alcoholic has had that thought at some point, like you would be better off without me. Don't get too close to me because I'm going to hurt you. That's what I do to people. Right. I just, I screw people up. Mm -hmm. And so in order to protect you, I need you to get away from me. He ended up committing suicide to, to allow her to go live her dream. Mm -hmm. Every, I I had that thought. Everyone I know has had that thought at some point. Mm. So there could still be some of those, those guilty feelings going on. Like therapy is a great thing. Marriage counseling is a great thing. Yep. I would suggest it. Yep. Um, Let's see here. Searching for intimacy in others in an alcoholic relationship. Is this a normal thing to do? Is it healthy? When you don't get it from your spouse, how do you deal? Not talking about physical intimacy, but emotional intimacy. So they're not talking about the buzzer in the drawer. Right. They're talking about where do you get emotional <laughs> intimacy from if you're not getting it in this relationship? Uh, is it... Is it- Asking if the alcoholic is getting it from somewhere else. So this person is searching for intimacy or in others this... in an alcoholic relationship. Okay. Is this a normal thing to do? Is it healthy? When you don't get it from your spouse, I how mean, do you deal? I can understand why you would want to do that if you're not getting it from your spouse. I mean, it sucks. I mean, we're still talking like on the lines of like an emotional affair at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying you would do this. I'm not saying I would, but I can understand why somebody would. Yeah. Because you're not, if you're getting something that, if you're not getting it at home, it can, it can wear you down. So rather than emotional intimacy on the level that you would get in an, like a romantic relationship, Mm -hmm. I think that you can have intimate, intimate relationships with everybody. Like I have more intimate relationships in my life than I've ever had before. Right. Right. But that just involves honest, open, vulnerable communication with people. Right. And it also involves validation. Yes. So getting connected with people who are going through what you're going through, Mm -hmm. people who get it, who Mm -hmm. aren't going to shame you or judge you or try to give you advice that is unsolicited or unwarranted. Right. That can be helpful. That can, that can fill your cup for that emotional intimacy. Absolutely. So we got a community for that. Yeah. That's kind of what it's for. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, here we go. How to feel connected again and how to support him while expressing my needs without making him feel worse about it. My husband was very lovely and affectionate most of the time when he was drinking, as long as he didn't drink too much and get hammered. He's five months sober now. He wants to cuddle. He's often depressed and has low self-esteem. So he doesn't have the confidence to be intimate. He's told me this and he's apologetic. Tell myself it's not me. It's just brain rewiring, but sometimes it does feel pretty lonely. Man, yeah. that is so relatable. Yeah. I think that is the experience that we had. Yeah. Um, like we talked about, there are a lot of things hormonally going on with somebody. There's also feelings of guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. But I will say an alcoholic just removes the substance is only fixed 5% of the problem. Right. We've got to get into therapy. We've got to get with people who have been there before who figured out how to be happy in it. Mm-hmm. You can talk all the mess you want about like AA or NA or any of that. And we've had opinions about 12 step type groups, but a community of support is important. Yep. Um, Celeste Yvonne got sober 
on her own for the most part. Yeah. She said if she had to go back and do it again, the one thing she would change is that she would find some sort of a community of support for others that were going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Helps relieve those feelings of guilt and shame. Yeah. Helps you talk about some of, some of this stuff. And you're right. It's... It's not you, most likely. It's mostly his brain rewiring. Hormones are probably all out of whack. Mm -hmm. But that does feel lonely. And I totally understand that. Yeah. So how to feel connected again? I would, if he's not a belligerent type and never really was, start to have those honest conversations. Mm -hmm. Start to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. Maybe in my my episode moving forward, I'll tell him, if you need to go get your T-levels checked, go get them checked. Right. Could have something to do with some of this. Absolutely. But there's also another side of that that's dangerous because there are a lot of men who, like they use testosterone as an excuse to go cheat. I've seen that too. Wait, what? Oh yeah, we haven't seen what? our DMs on that. I, I hell yeah. Okay, let's not get into that. We're going to talk about that on the next episode. That gonna make you mad? I. I mm. <laughs> you got some opinions on that? I do. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, how can we build trust back and allow me to be fully myself again? What are the steps you can take to get comfortable with intimacy again when your spouse is in recovery? Husband's just about a year sober. She still struggles with wanting to be intimate. I've heard that if there's no trust, there's no lust. So my question is, did you ever lose sexual attraction? Did it slowly come back once he was clean for a while? Or is it a once damaging thing that's never really the same? This guy's trying to do all the right things, but it's just the last thing on her mind. He says it's how he feels, quote unquote, loved by me, but I also don't know if he's just replacing another addiction. He thinks sex every day slash every other day would be good. Thoughts on that? Well, we kind of covered that on another question. A bit. And we're not sex therapists no. by any means. So, And I'm never going to tell everyone, just go have sex. Go have sex. Go have sex. I think you need to have sex when you feel sex is safe and right. When you feel safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, men are always going to ask more. Like, they always. that's what we do. Right. But, right. But I, I mean, it's not going to be 100% either, though. There are times where I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not really feeling, you know, super... connected right now but i'm going to do it anyway because maybe i will you know get in the mood (laughs) hang on so there's some times where (laughs) i'm like are you down and you're like yeah f it i guess so (laughs) that's kind of how it works for you sometimes sometimes (laughs) (laughs) that's funny i'm just saying like you know it's not like you do a rather good job of faking it it's a great (laughs) there's a great area here it's not about just but did you ever lose sexual attraction to me just whenever you were i was gross gross and did that come back obviously when i started taking care of myself i would think yeah and but i think she's right there's no trust there's no lust no you have to have trust you have to feel safe but it is a process it is a process it will take time guy talk here we're really simple creatures. We've already established that, right? We grunt back and forth to each other. Yes, 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 yes. So a lot of guys say that their love language is physical touch. Mm. What a cop out that is. They, I, should, they should remove that I one do. from that the options. Away. Then you remove that from the options because every guy will just say it's physical touch. Like I know a guy who says like it, my my thing is physical touch. So he needs sex like five to six times a week. That's I'm what he sorry, says. but that's that's I'm bullshit. Like, Dude, I think you have self-esteem issues. I don't think this has anything to do with physical right. touch. Physical touch for me anyway is like, let me like grab you in this moment and give you a huge hug Look, when I know that you're I was struggling. Say, our children... It, physical touch is their love language because they love hugs. Yeah, they love to be they held. They want to be hugged. Like when, whenever you're struggling or anxious just to hold my hand. Yes. We're not just talking about touching one part of your body. No. 
a lot of guys say that. If you're saying sex is what's going to cure your relationship issues, you've got bigger issues there. You've got self-esteem issues. Mm-hmm. You've got self-worth issues. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of other stuff going on. Now, is it validation to get someone to have sex with you? Yeah. Like it, it is. Yeah. It is. Like, okay, well, we've gotten to the point where you trust me enough to give me that. But if you haven't earned your dinner, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Stop. It sounds so weird that like you say that you have to earn it. In some ways, I think but that... But I think that that's, that's healthy. I think that that's not... And it's not necessarily earn it, but it's like you just get it's on the joke, same obviously. level. It's a joke, It's facetious, but I, I think right. that you should... You have to check all the boxes in order to get there. And yes. I feel like if I haven't, like, man, that's not even like... No, it feels forced. Doesn't it, feels, it feel awkward? Yes. Wouldn't it feel wrong? Like kind of icky? You know when you're just not being honest or like when you've done yes. something wrong? Yes. It's just like it feels icky, sort of. It almost feels abusive i don't want to say that but it does kind of feel like just ew yes but a lot of for a lot of guys this is the validation like okay i'm doing the right thing because she's willing to sleep with me and that's how they gauge their worthiness and their progress is by how many times they're getting laid it's just sex i'm sorry i just don't understand how it's got to be like it's bigger than that if it was just sex, it wouldn't bother people when we slept with others. I mean, I understand, that. like, it's obviously it's more for women. It's more than that. But for men, it's, I don't know. It just seems. No, men have feelings too, man. We just, we just claim we don't. We have feelings. We do. And this guy has feelings without a doubt. But what she's saying but is. But are they covering? Trust has been damaged and the trust hasn't been rebuilt. But he's saying sex every day is what's going to do it. And no. I think that that's false. That's I think not that true. That is a, that is a, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I think that is a misguided way to look at what is my metric I'm going to use for rebuilding trust because this person is right. And we'll get into it that you can replace addictions. Mm-hmm. Addiction is addiction. Yeah. Once you've become used to this dopamine kick that you get from X event, Y event, whatever it might be, right. you will find something to replace it with. Right. Cross addiction is very common. Yes. Very common. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> got a couple more then we're done okay. so how do you get past the booze smell and the resentment i don't know how long i can keep this going refuses help complains no sex this person just basically saying they have no intimacy at all they're not really interested in it mm-hmm. but they do miss this person yeah over 30 years with somebody how do you get past the resentment mm. would you sleep with me if i was smelling like booze no so i think that this person is more or less just saying like i'm just hurt and i miss him but right how do you get past it do you want to Right. I know. Like, I mean, it, it's not going to be better unless the person gets help. Yeah. This is more like a cry for, I just missed my person. Right. I don't think you, I don't think you just learn how to deal with that. It's disgusting. No. It's gross. You want them slobbering all over you and stuff. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's tough. I just want to hug you. So how can you possibly ever have intimacy again after the trust and respect have been lost due to alcoholism? That's most of these questions. This person just basically said that they are a shell of them former, their, their, their former self used to be fit, used to work out, used to be present in their lives. Now they're the opposite of all those things. And can you ever look at someone the same again? You know, I think that there are things that happen that sort of leave an imprint on your mind when someone's in active addiction, but can you get past them? Yeah, absolutely. You can, but it takes a long time. It takes time. Yeah. Like there are some men who are really weird about like the birth process. Like they won't watch it because it will ruin sex for them in the future. You never heard about this. Yeah. I just was that you weren't one of those. No, 
You watched. I had to help the freaking janitor, whoever it was. <laughs> you almost called him a janitor. He was not a janitor. They were low on staff. There were a lot of babies. He being was an X ray tech, I think. Yeah. Me and an X ray tech delivered our, the baby, our daughter. Well, there was like nine babies being born at the same time, and it was like three in the morning, and they couldn't. Was, you didn't deliver her. They had to suck her out with a little sucky thing. The I was holding your in. leg ab- behind your head, basically. <laughs> My leg didn't go back there. We back were then. we were squeezing hands. We were screaming together, and the whole bit. Oh my god! It, the whole bit. But anyway, some say that like that is something they don't want to see because it can traumatize them for future events. No. Okay, may, while it may be traumatizing, can you move past it? Absolutely. Yeah. Can you find peace in it? Absolutely. Yeah. Were you traumatized? No. <laughs> so can you find peace in someone's, can you find peace? Can you can you move past some of the things that have happened? You absolutely can, but it doesn't happen right away and it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. They're going to have to do a lot of work. You're also going to have to do some work about, yep. okay, these things happened. I have to accept that they happened, but you're going to have to be able to look at them. And say, but they're not that person today. Right. And that makes it okay. If yes. they're still that person, you're probably never going to get over it. Right. So that concludes the questions and the answers on intimacy. Now. Until well, the next episode. Until, well. We I didn't. I don't know if we're going to do it right next week. No, we're not. Or maybe the week after. Okay. Stay tuned. We'll find out. Oh. But we're going to cover some of the more. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Some of the, some of the, the nastier mm-hmm. stuff. The A cheating. The infidelity. Stuff. Some of that mm-hmm. other stuff that. Is very, very difficult. Yeah. Uh, this has been a long one. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize it was an hour and 15 yeah, minutes long. Yeah, I know. I need to go to bed. Same. I okay. gotta take Sid. I have to rehearse and get on a plane tomorrow. Yeah, I'm gonna miss you. I'm gonna miss you too. Man. <laughs> it's okay. This is what hard feels like. This is what we signed up for. I know. Remember? Yes. This is part of it. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for being here. We hope that this was helpful. Be on the lookout for an episode from me to men. Ooh. Coming soon. I'm not sure how soon. I've got to write it. I've got to make sure I do this right because I want to get this one right. Okay. And then be on the lookout for our next series on intimacy that covers infidelity and cheating and whether or not that is an excuse that you can forgive. Mm. All right. So until next time, I'm Matt. I'm Paige. And we'll see you. Bye.